This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Patriots' defense couldn't do enough stuffing. Justin Jefferson, he was sweeter than pie. Mac Jones was on a roll. Pierre Strong is a turkey. The line got mashed at the worst possible time. And the officials were total giblet bag. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special Thanksgiving night edition of the Six Rings postgame show here on WEEI and all across the WEEI network as well as WEEI.com. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, but it was an unfortunate finish to what was at times a great game and hopefully what was a good day for you and your family as well. You can give us a call anytime here on the postgame show at 617-779-7937 is the phone number. The socials at WEEI, at Jumbo Heart, and at FitzyGFY, and the text line is available for your venting and for your frustrations at 37937. The New England Patriots finally flipped the switch, as Mac Jones detailed, but unfortunately, in the end, the defense just did not show up. Self-inflicted wounds, a plenty, and a very sloppy second half. A second half that saw the Patriots actually execute the first double score in a long time, a field goal at the end of the first half, a touchdown to start the second half, but ultimately mistakes made by rookies, terrible, terrible, terrible officiating, and unfortunately the line collapsing at the worst possible time down the stretch leads the Patriots to a 33-26 defeat at U.S. Bank Stadium at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings. A very, very, very frustrating game. Like we mentioned, or like I just mentioned moments ago, the Patriots' offense seemed to have actually woken up, seemed to have found themselves early on on that first drive. You're watching this game and you think, wow, where has this Patriots' offense been and can they stick around for a while? This is what I've wanted to see for ages. They were going toe-to-toe. They were keeping up with Minnesota drive for drive, pass for pass, score for score. Unfortunately, in the first half and in the second half as well, having to settle for field goals too often as opposed to touchdowns. As I mentioned just moments ago, there were also some egregious calls, some terrible calls by the officials, including a Jesse James-esque call at the goal line on what should have been a Hunter Henry touchdown, but was ultimately ruled a non-catch. I, nor Des Bryant, nor anyone in the uh, McCourty family and beyond has any idea what a catch actually is in the NFL now. I don't know what a catch has been. I don't know what a catch will be redefined as. All I know is that Hunter Henry made a catch. The ball never touched the ground. The ball moved a little bit. That was enough to reverse what was a touchdown call. Things just did not go the way of the Patriots at all in the second half. And a terrible, terrible, borderline catastrophic, dare I say, mistake by rookie Pierre Strong rushing the punter and running into the punter, just making enough contact with his helmet to the punter's foot. The punter does a world-class FIFA sell job. Marcus Smart would have been proud of the job that the Vikings punter did, spinning and flopping to the ground. 
on fourth and four. He gets the five yards for running into the kicker. It, it gives the Vikings the ball back. And then wide receiver one in the NFL, who I have not paid tribute to just yet, but certainly deserves all the praise and accolades possible. Justin Jefferson continues to show the NFL why he is the best receiver on the planet, why him going 22 overall in the draft a couple of years ago is a farce. He's good enough that he probably should have gone first overall. He made the Patriots pay tonight time and time and time again. And when he didn't get the ball, he freed up space for TJ Hawkinson, who's been an excellent addition for the Minnesota Vikings since they traded for him just a few weeks ago. Four games, 26 catches. That's a record for somebody joining another team in season in the NFL. And of course, the Adam Thielen touchdown, which was the difference in the game, which was just out of the grasp of Jalen Mills trying to make a play. But it's difficult to try to cover everybody when you have to double the best receiver in football. Patriots get the ball back, as you saw, towards the tail end of the game there. Mac Jones, after a 40-yard gain by Ramondre Stevenson, with a really, really, really frustrating sack on third down. Negative plays, self-inflicted wounds, just the little mistakes that have haunted the Patriots before, but that they seem to have either evaded or moved past tonight, came back to haunt them. Uh, and it was too little, too late in the end. But, you know, I, I could sit here scratching my head wondering what the hell Tyquan Thornton was thinking when he caught that ball at the end laying down. Left tackle Christian Darasaw. You would have thought they would have found a way to feast. Minnesota was able to get the, the same way the Patriots got the ball out quickly all night long, Andy, which props to Mac Jones, offensive play caller, Matt Patricia, the whole offensive hive mind for getting the ball out quickly and uh, helping compensate for the Patriots' compromised offensive line. No Isaiah Wynn, no David Andrews. There was no pressure really generated by the Patriots tonight. No, we're going to praise the Patriots' offensive line, and rightly so. They were without two starters, and I thought they played well, and they were part of the reason they were able to move the ball so well. But you gave up three sacks. I know two of them came at the end, but on the, on the oh. stat sheet it says three sacks. Kirk Cousins was sacked once. I actually think the Patriots outthought this. I think they tennis laddered this. I'd have to go back and watch it more closely. Seemed to me they put Matthew Judon on the left defensive side more often this week than I than I normally think they do. And I think they went with that idea, we'll put our best on their starter and we'll put our lesser guys on the backside where they should have an advantageous matchup against a backup. And I don't think I would have rather just said, let Judon eat. Let him mm-hmm. eat alive the left tackle. And yes. I, I, I need to see some of the, the the footage again. I'm not sure if if my eyes were exactly right in live time. Um, but I think they thought overthought that a little bit. But either way, it didn't work. You didn't get the pressure that you thought you were going to get. And, you know, that is a banged-up defense, too. Mm-hmm. They were without a couple key starters, lacking some depth in the back end um, for the Vikings. So, you know, the, uh, the positive momentum that I think people were getting caught up in and the questions about, oh, well, what's going to happen when you face a team? Well, you faced a good offense with good skill players and – they kind of had their way with you. I mean, I know they got the kickoff return, so you didn't give up 33 points. You gave up 26, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still saw that this defense is still good. I'm not saying, you know, I thought Jonathan Jones had a competitive night. He was one mm-hmm. of the few competitive guys in the back end. Um, but this Even defense with the stats is, that Justin Jefferson put up, you can definitely say that, that wasn't just, all on Jonathan him. Jones yeah. put it himself. Yeah, no, that wasn't all on him. Some of it was was Jefferson on Jones. Some of it was um, zone. There was a couple of crossing plays where it was clearly zone. But they, they had no answers. Devin McCourty, I thought, was late to help in a number mm-hmm. of occasions there um, in terms of the pass defense. So, uh, you know, I thought this was coming. I thought there was a little bit of a, 
slap in the face, wake-up call, reality check that might be coming for this defense, and I think they got it a little bit against a Vikings team that had something to prove. Give, uh, give Kevin O'Connell credit. They marched right down the field. Now the Patriots answered, so I'll give Matt Patricia credit too, but you know, a week after they got embarrassed and Justin Jefferson was calling out his head coach kind of to change things up and adjust when you're under pressure, uh, I thought Kevin O'Connell and that offense kind of answered the challenge today. Statistically, on the evening, uh, you said earlier that you didn't really have any answers for Dalvin Cook. I thought the rush defense actually did a good job. Cook went 22 carries for only 42 yards. Madison, three for 11. So they did a good job against the run game. But Kirk Cousins. I actually thought he had more through the air, and he didn't. I thought he made plays through the air, and he only had 14 yards receiving. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 30 of 37, 299 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Seemed like he was really dying to throw Jonathan Jones at least, uh, if not several. Yep, he could have had three picks. Tonight. He could have easily had three picks tonight. Mm-hmm. And if you go back last week, he could have had the one off of Wilson on the out mm-hmm. that he dropped. He um, He's making himself some money. I saw even Jason McCourty tweeted he's not just a slot corner anymore. Uh, John Jones has stepped up to the challenge of being a true outside corner, and, and that's nice. Now, the problem I would say is Jalen Mills has kind of faded back into Jalen Mills land. And that touchdown that he gave up to Thielen, is another one of those examples where I say it's the hardest position in football. His finger, I swear it touched the ball. I swear that's how close he was. It touched was the it ball. Was it maybe by an inch? Still, like did He, yes. he probably could it's feel the breeze of the pass going over his glove tip. Yep, and if you make that play, it's a nice pass defense, and you get on SportsCenter, everybody says you're good, you don't, and you give up a touchdown, and you're frustrated, and you want to slam your helmet through the fake turf. That's the game. I mean, Oh, so such a frustrating game on so many levels. Meanwhile, on but fun. It, can, whoa, can we just? It was no. Fun. It was no. It was it was very like entertaining. I'll take the that end. over three three any day. I'll oh, take God. that you, any day. Plays I'll were take being that made. Over tw- I'll take that over the stomping out of the Colts as well. The the what was that twenty six to three twenty six six whatever that was a few weeks ago. I'll take that over ten three anytime. It was this. It was easily the most. I saw our pal Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. Uh, tweeted out at halftime, like, more of this, please. Like, this is the most entertaining game since week three. I think it was even more entertaining than the Ravens-Patriots game from week three. Probably the most entertaining or electric game because of the offense, because of their ability to get the ball out, put it in space, let their playmakers play. Mack looked great on some of those passes. The touchdown, that first touchdown to Aguilar was gorgeous. Best throw gorgeous, of the year I tell you. Yep, and he finishes the, the night, Andy, with a really, really, really dynamite line. 28 of 39, 382, and two touchdowns. Parker had some nice catches. Stevenson, a couple nice catches. Actually, it would have been eight for 36 if it weren't for that last one for 40 yards that almost brought them to the red zone. But ultimately, the biggest sack of the night uh, took them out of field goal range. And Aguilar had a nice night so close to making that play down by the goal line, Andy, which would have given the Patriots a chance to punch it in and tie the game up as well. And... Can we? Are you ready for this conversation now, or should we make our number two all about this? Could you please explain to me what a catch is? Um, see, I, no, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I struggle with it because I, I do think the ball hit the ground a little bit. I don't know that he had full hand under it and full control as it hit the ground, but I thought he caught the, the ball. Like, if you just – I always use the kindergarten rule – like, if you just ask a little kid, did he catch that? He caught it. I thought he caught mm-hmm. the ball. Because it yeah, didn't, he did. after he rolled over, it's not like it rolled off his chest. If it had rolled off his chest at that point, I probably would have agreed, yeah, I don't think he ever really caught it. But he caught the ball. He was lying on the field. It was on his chest. Felt like a touchdown to me, but what's his name? Is it John Parry? 
who does the uh, the NBC official whatever. Yeah. He was well, it's, adamant it's one, from it's the one beginning. One of those booth guys, yeah. Yeah, and he was adamant from the beginning, and he was right because he was calling call. it based on what he thinks they're going to interpret the rules as, as opposed to like just 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 trust your eyes. What do your eyes tell you? Did, was that a catch? Yes. Now, Andy, if you there's a million different people that have tweeted it out in slow mo and in close up. Um, I think I retweeted it at Fitzy GFY or tw- quote tweeted it a while ago. You can watch the replay, and Hunter Henry's hand is under the ball the entire time. The ball actually in slow mo never makes contact with the ground, so it should have been ruled a touchdown. I don't know why they looked at it for so long and then flipped the call on the play. Yeah, if if that's true, because I thought it hit the ground. I was with him. I thought the hand was like half on it, half off it, and it yep. hit the ground. But if it indeed never hit the ground, they took a long time to review that. Because mm-hmm. they went to a break, came back. He was still reviewing yeah. it. And if that's true, then they mm-hmm. they didn't do a very good job officiating. But you just said, like, by the letter of the law, like he's mm-hmm. calling it the way he knows they're going to call it rather than the way he sees it. I, I felt the same way about the false start on Justin Jefferson that they called when the Patriots clearly jumped offside and the right tackle clearly did the little thing where you like point out and touch him. Mm-hmm. And then they called Jefferson for the false start. It's like, even the Patriots knew they jumped. I think it was Lawrence guy was down on his knees with his hands in his, oh, yeah, his yeah. head in his hands. He's like, we just screwed up and jumped off sides and they got bailed out by whatever that rule is. Yeah. And Trent Brown was uh, Trent Brown, uh, offside false start late. Oh, in the it game was a when terrible backed up near their goal line. Terribly and, oh, officiated game on terribly, both sides. There was pass interference calls in both directions that didn't get caught. Like it was Kyle du- the hold bad. on Kyle Duggar, which had a yep. full entire sh- uh, the guy literally had a fistful of shoulder pad on the on the Vikings kickoff return touchdown. Duggar easily would have snuffed that run out. And how about the face mask on Mac Jones, which Warren Sharp tweeted out about uh, about thirty five minutes ago. His quote uh, on the tweet was: "Refs have been." egregious tonight egregious becoming uh the new term du jour whenever officiating is terrible calls don't go the right way or we just have a sloppy game like this at least from the from the zebra peoples um they were awful i mean look in the end the patriots are responsible for their own fate because if pierre strong doesn't run into the damn kicker there andy the vikings don't have an easy path to a touchdown with the justin jefferson bomb and then that deal and catch over mills maybe the patriots scored there and we're talking about a different kind of result uh, we're finishing off Thanksgiving in a happier capacity with a little extra whipped cream on the pie as opposed to now being stuck with the dishes like you and I are. Yeah, and Bill um, was extra agitated a number of different times throughout that game, including at Pierre Strong after the uh, running into the kicker penalty. Bill was kind of giving him an earful, but the Duggar, when Duggar fell down on the Hawkinson touchdown, the, mm-hmm. the one-yard touchdown early, Bill was fired up. Bill was... Bill was pretty emotional. Bill was into that game because I think Bill felt it. You know when he says it declares, like the game declared, and it declared that his team was going to be able to to throw punches with the mm-hmm. Vikings on the road on a short week. You know, people were saying, oh, this offense, can you keep up, blah, blah, blah. They were, they were throwing punches, going back and forth like Rocky, and then the bottom kind of fell out at the end. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number if you would like to jump in, vent, voice your frustrations, discuss the game with your old pals Fitzy and Hart here on the Six Rings postgame show. Of course, we are broadcasting from our Best Yet brand studio. Tonight's show is brought to you by Zooty. Build any app your company needs in just a week. Visit Zooty, that's Z-U-D-Y dot com for your free trial. We're here with you 
until 1 a.m. tonight on the Six Rings postgame show. Andy, let's welcome in our first call of the evening, if you will, as we continue to analyze and parse out how tonight's game came to be. Of course, we will take you live to Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, who I cannot wait to hear from tonight. I, I, I can't even imagine what his mood is going to be like. But let's take our first out-of-town call right now. Chris calling all the way in from Dallas wants to talk about Mac Jones, special teams, and more. Chris, welcome to the Six Rings postgame show. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, guys. And to you Same as well, you. friend. Hey. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I'm just kind of flustered with the game overall. Um, I will say that this is probably the best performance that I think I've seen out of Mac Jones and the offense out of the entire year so far. But that special teams outside of Nick Folk was just horrendous tonight. And I think Bill Belichick needs to straighten them up because it's just, it, it does it does not look pretty at all. It they caught in my opinion, obviously they they cost them the game tonight. Agree. Yeah, the special, the special teams, teams were... was terrible. Well, it's funny because they got the big kick return from Marcus Jones yep. to set up a short field that they mm-hmm. scored on. He actually made a really nice tackle on the first kickoff of the game. Oh yeah, uh, he and did. F- and Folk did his job as usual, had his four field goals. The rest of it was crap. They they were just not very good. And then even Marcus Jones got you know upended and and close to fumbling there at the end where he didn't have another uh, special return in him. So yeah, the special teams, Cam Accord, who we've been talking about for a year plus now and was part of the story of them falling apart last year, had a terrible night. Yep, agreed, agreed. Thank you for the call, Chris. Appreciate it. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy the kickstart to the holiday season as well. Yeah, you know who uh, I think you know, um, had a hit today? Matt Judon. Because last week you had Minnesota play Dallas, and Dallas's defense dominated, dominated Minnesota, got to Kirk Cousins for seven sacks. Mm-hmm. Then I watched today, and Micah Parsons is all over the field making plays. Mm-hmm. And then Judon had the same opportunity against a backup left tackle and didn't do a whole hell of a lot. So I think his Defensive Player of the Year uh, resume or whatever you want to call it, hype train, took a little bit of a hit today. Yeah, I don't think that's going to uh, signify or like be the catalyst to the Judon decline, if you will, from last year as well. Oh, no. No, but by, by But he didn't stretch. step up to the challenge, and Micah Park- Parsons is really freaking good. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's next level. I mean, he's, you know... Everyone always wants to say, like, who's the who's the next Kobe? Who's the next MJ? Who's the next Brady? Um, to compare Micah Parsons to Lawrence Taylor at this point is wildly premature because Lawrence Taylor is almost inarguably the greatest defensive player of all time in the NFL. There are a couple other names you could probably throw in there as well. But uh, Micah Parsons is next level. Judon looked like he had his burst. He looked like he had game. He looked like he was going to be a menace all over the field tonight. But it it's almost like Minnesota spent the half week recovering from their ass whooping that they took last Sunday against Dallas in game planning to make sure that Matt Judon wouldn't be the game wrecker or wouldn't take them off their game tonight. And Justin Jefferson is just next level, Andy. Like the, To call him wide receiver one in the NFL seems slightly hyperbolic, but I think he's worthy of the praise. Oh, absolutely. He continue. I mean, when you're breaking – early career Randy Moss records and we know how good he was early in his Vikings mm-hmm. career and putting up the highlight plays and they they brought up a good point late the physicality to his game when he's covered and there's a there's a guy bodying him up 
he still makes the catch. And that might be the most impressive is not just get open, catch the football when I have space. Okay, I have crazy hands. I can do this. But you lay a lick on him. He still catches it, still holds on to it, still comes down with it. He is uh, he's something special right now. He really is. He's fun to watch. Yeah, he he really is. Like I, I, it's just he's one of those guys where it's like, man, I love watching him play football. It just happens to be that once every four years, I can't really enjoy his game because it comes at the. I mean, he had half of Kirk Cousins' passing yards tonight. It just well, seems he could have been a Patriot. Be, like some, like how about that catch he made, Andy, in the red zone that ultimately was called back because there was holding on the Minnesota offensive line in the first half. And again, it looked like John Jones or Jack Jones was set to pick off the ball. And yet somehow he slid in his yep. hands, just sort of found their way right in front of Jack Jones, and he made the catch. And it was just sort of like, how the hell did you do that? I, I, is... his, beyond his physical tools, his instinct and his knack for the catch and the situation is almost otherworldly at this point. He, um, Jack Jones absolutely thought he had a pick there. Mm-hmm. I, he was sliding it, and, and then he's like, wait a minute. Why does he have the ball? How did he get in front of me to get the ball? Yeah, he's... He's incredible, and he does it in different ways all over the field. You know, drags, short, deep, covered, triple. And the Thielen touchdown late, I'm pretty sure three different Patriots defensive backs ran with Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson across the field, and that gave gave Thielen the room he needed and, and Cousins the room he needed to get that ball in. And that's the problem. When you have a guy like that that is so good, other guys, like, you end up getting two and three guys. You know, even if you're doubling him, somebody yep. else also has his eye on him, and that takes mm-hmm. them out of their coverage. And that, that's those are game changers. That's why we've talked about it. Stephon Diggs, Justin, like, how that changes the offense, how that makes everybody else better, how the Patriots don't have that guy. Like, that's the reality of the NFL. Let's go to Leon, who's calling all the way from old Scotty Top out in Wisconsin, who would like to talk about the game tonight and the referees especially. Hello, Leon. Man, look, like, Hunter Henry, okay, whatever. You can say he didn't have the ball when he broke when he went down, but he broke the plane. I don't know if you guys saw it, but on my TV, when there was a delay of game in the second half, on my screen it said flag, but I guess they got the timeout off in time. I don't want to all blame it on the refs and stuff, but, like, when we didn't get that touchdown with the Hunter Henry play, I think we should have went for on fourth down. I mean, we're about a yard or two out. Why not mm-hmm. go be aggressive and go for on fourth down? We've been shutting the running game off. You know, it was just a it's just been a weird game today. You know, it was a it was a very weird game. As a matter of fact, uh, Leon, I meant to mention this to you before, Andy. At one point, because people that were watching at home were so confused about the referee's call on the Hunter Henry non touchdown that ultimately became a field goal. Um, that's a TD was trending on Twitter about an hour and a half ago. Like, oh, really, man? That was, yes. that was heartbreaking. I tell you, that was that was probably now looking back at it, the Baltimore loss and the Green Bay loss. Those are huge now. Looking back at it at this point mm-hmm. in the season. Now at least this that loss. Now the Patriots time. do drop to six and five. They dropped to six and five on the season. It's an out of conference loss. So getting that win against the Jets last Sunday was huge for them because that's divisional and obviously that's conference as well. So that's gonna and that's gonna ultimately matter more 